This is Music Ed Amplified. Happy Spring Amplifiers! You've landed here at the Music Ed Amplified podcast, where we not only focus on what it is really like to be a music teacher, but we also spend time talking about issues of anti-racism, anti-bias, and anti-ableism in the music room. Before we get to part two of the conversation with Jasmine, Maria, and Carla, I wanted to mention something that is definitely difficult to broach, but important to talk about nonetheless. And I want to be careful in doing this because it's important to give grace as we all grow in this journey to become anti-racists. I continuously remind myself of Maya Angelou's wise and insightful words. Do the best you can until you know better. Then, when you know better, do better. At the same time, when I think about the hundreds and thousands of Black, Brown, Indigenous, and Asian people who have waited years and decades and centuries under the crushing and debilitating weight of injustice and racism, I also want to make sure to speak out when it's time and without fear, or at least with as little fear as possible. So today, I want to address the absolutely ridiculous slowness with which so many educational organizations are moving when it comes to issues of inclusion, racism, diversity, equity, injustice, and accessibility. I recently finished an interview for an upcoming episode with the amazing Dr. Karen Howard, in which I shared my frustration in hearing some, and it is important to mention that it is just some in leadership in these organizations, who say things like, well, change takes time, or we're trying, but we have a lot to do, and we can't devote the time and resources it might take to do everything really well. So we're going to wait until we have everything in place to do it right. Now, it's true that things take time, especially when you want to do them right. But I believe we've crossed the threshold and we have work to do to affect real change. And that isn't going to come by waiting until everything is just right. And it certainly won't come by white leaders micromanaging the process or even worse, using excuses to defend their inaction. To me, these kinds of words amount to little more than protecting whiteness and old ways of doing and thinking. And just think about it. Here I am complaining, and I've only been on this path for a couple of years. Imagine how the colleagues and peers we know who have been doing this work for their entire lives feel, and the exhaustion they must constantly feel. How defeating it must be to feel like you're constantly having to build up momentum to run up a wall in order to get over it to the other side. But you can't because the wall seems so high. And those who are on the other side of the wall don't do anything significant or real to help you or give you real tools to aid you in getting over through or around it. And what's worse, in some cases, maybe they're even adding a layer or two of bricks to make it more difficult. So today, I'd like to encourage all of us to investigate the educational organizations and associations of which we are a part. Investigate and ask questions. What concrete action steps have they taken? Have they gone beyond making statements and doing book studies? Maybe they've cobbled together a DEI committee. If so, who makes up that committee? How empowered are the members of that committee? And what work have they done and been allowed to put into motion? 
Do you see the membership of your organizations growing increasingly more diverse? And furthermore, are those in leadership, the members of the boards of directors, becoming more diverse? The question for us as individual teachers is, what are we, those on the ground and in the classrooms, willing to do to make real change and help these organizations be better? I do want to give a bit of a spoiler and say that while Dr. Howard had similar frustrations in our conversation, she did also share a couple music ed organizations that, in her opinion, are on the right path to true change for the profession, including ACDA or Schulwerk and some state MEAs. And honestly, that was heartening. I'm sure we'd all love to see that list grow. So, Let's work together and make sure that we ourselves, and as always, I'm speaking to myself first and foremost, are taking real action steps, not only in our own classrooms and rehearsal halls, but that we're also holding our professional leaders and organizations accountable. We have to come alongside our BBIA peers and not just be allies, but be accomplices in getting this work forwarded in a significant, not-for-show way. So let's keep holding ourselves and these organizations accountable and change the world. And as one step towards that end, today I am excited to share part two of the roundtable discussion between Maria A. Ellis, Carla Bell, and Jasmine Fripp that started last episode. There are so many great moments in this one, so let's get to it. All right, here we go. Recently, I saw a post about square dancing, Henry Ford, and its relationship to white supremacy. I'm curious if this is all European descended folk dancing, such as dancing, as many educators include in their curricula, or is it specifically square dancing? I'm in the process of researching it myself, but any insight would be welcome. Thank you. It ain't on me. All right, so I actually, I was revamping my country music unit for genres of music and whatnot. And I was like, I wanna do something to get the kids up and moving. And I thought about doing square dancing, but then I looked a little deeper into the history of it. Of course, I think it's a mixture of, there's definitely African elements in square dancing. And I think, I could be wrong and I'll double check, but I think there's Celtic um, root to it as well. And the whole thing was pretty much like using square dancing within schools to avoid talking about some form of black history. So I was like, "Ah, as much as I wanna do square dancing because there's that African and Celtic root to it, I was like, I, I can't, in in all consciousness, I can't. But do I think it's like an every single European art form um, thing? I don't think so. I, I don't even want to call it a one-off thing because I'm pretty sure there are other forms of dance that may have been used to discriminate against or take spotlight off of a body of people I I don't think it's an every European art form. I would just, if that's something that concerns you, I would dig a little deeper into the history of the other art forms that you do want in your classroom. So, yeah. 
I don't know nothing about square dancing, so I'm I'm not gonna comment. I don't know anything about it up to Henry Ford and. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't. I'm not gonna speak on something I don't know, but I can tell you what. If you're nervous about the dancing, the square dancing, you can make up your own dance that you know ain't got no racist background to it. And you can do that yourself. And can. No, it's and very much can. Always an option. All right, here we go. Uh, as a non-white teacher, I find myself caught in the middle or functioning as an ambassador. Oof. Many cultures, cultures, traditions, languages, very often in addition to experiencing microaggressions from colleagues, Fielding questions about cultures that are not my own just because I am visibly not white. I try my best to redirect or to better and authenticate resources or to do research where I can, but I do feel like I'm more vested in the work and take on more than my other colleagues. Is there a way to balance my desire to do the work and advocate for every student, but also encourage my colleagues to join in the work? Oh, go Carla. I see you. I see you beaming. Carla ready. All right, girl. Oh, man. When I saw the question earlier, I was like, ooh, wee. I know this one. Um, I had to make a decision a little while ago to value my own wellness. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm going with that approach. I'm going to start there and then I'll weave my way around. But I had to make a decision some time ago to value my own wellness just in general. And so a lot of times what jeopardized my wellness was participating in conversations with people who did not want to do whatever it is. They didn't want to do their work and whatever their work meant, they didn't want to do it. And so I kept putting myself unintentionally, but I kept putting myself in harm's way. And finally I said, enough, enough. And when I said enough, I said enough with my actions. And then I said enough with my words. I said, you know, I really appreciate the fact, and because I I turned it, I said, you know, I really appreciate the fact that you value my perspective and my expertise. However, I'd like to direct you to a list of resources that you can use to continue your own work. Mm -hmm. And before you come back to me, I highly recommend that you use this list of resources. Because when you come back to me, I'm going to ask you, hey, did you read Stand by Ibram Kendi? Did you? Did you read it? You didn't? We'll talk later. So I literally had to be very intentional about saying, did you? So turn the questions back. Don't take them on. Turn them back. Eventually, one of two things is going to happen. They're going to get with it. Or they're going to stop asking you. Yeah, they're going to stop asking Because honestly, your wellness matters. And you cannot continue to subject yourself to that over and over and over again. Because then your energy is going to be drained and you won't have the energy to do the things you really need to do or that you want to do for the kids that you love. So make a decision to value your wellness. That's why I'm, I'm using that approach. Because this is a marathon. It is not a race. We are in this journey of equity. We're going to be in it for a very long time. And we have to have longevity through the process. Now, we also have to be careful that we are not unapproachable. Because the truth is, there are times where we, at times, people of color can be so angry that we are not helpful even to our own. That's the thing. 
um, because we haven't dealt with our own internal struggles. We haven't dealt with the harm that we are still dealing with or have caused. But we still, even though we need to be approachable, we still have to protect our own wellness. And you have to decide what is it really that's challenging to you. And mm-hmm. once you decide your bar of wellness, honor it. And find somebody that's going to hold you accountable to it. Is it another person of color? It might be. That's going to hold you accountable when you start to feel out of whack, if that makes sense. If you start to feel it, find your checking person and say, I'm feeling this way. And let that person redirect and hold you accountable. But your wellness comes first. Draft a list and say, look here. Could could that person maybe suggest that there be a team of people who help to answer these questions? Um, that way they don't feel like they're doing it all. Maybe form a team that can help. Because that's, I mean, we like teams in school. Don't we like teacher teams and cohorts and stuff like that? Like maybe finding a team to assist. Carla, there's another question directed to you that says, they get overwhelmed thinking about how they can have a lens of discussing trauma-informed approaches in the classroom. They get overwhelmed and they would like to know if you have any practical guidance for getting started with the trauma-informed approach in the classroom. The short answer is really not necessarily a strategy, but a decision and deciding to view people as humans, humans with a story. Sometimes we overcomplicate trauma-informed care or having a trauma-informed approach. Really at the end of the day, it is acknowledging the fact that we are all humans, no matter what role we serve in, uh, no matter what position we're in, we are all human beings and we're all human beings with experiences, some positive, some negative. Those negative experiences stay with us and they come up one way or another. And when I understand that about people, I now have put on my trauma-informed lens. So a lot of times people overthink what that means. But even if you look at yourself or you look at the students in your classroom, before they're students, what are they? Humans, humans with a story. When you get upset about something or you burned yourself before and then somebody touches that spot, what are you going to say? Ouch. Mm-hmm. You won't say ouch. The same thing happens with a student. And so it's not necessarily a list of strategies. It's a decision. And then after that, you can add things into your space that take into account what happens when students, you know, respond in certain ways. But at the end, it really, it just starts with a decision, deciding to view humans as humans and the fact that they have a story. That's good. Jasmine, got anything you want to add to that? Um, I'm going to be that person and go back real quick because I feel like it's all at the end of the day, centering around mental health, especially for people of the global majority. One, don't be afraid to say no. Mm-hmm. I, there's so much power in no. There's so much freedom in no. Um, secondly, be careful and one, allowing yourself to become that go-to person. And two, specifically for white folks, be careful of making people of the global majority, whenever something arises, making that person your go-to person. Especially like when something 
is like fresh on the minds of people. When everything took place with George Floyd, I had so many, Mm -hmm. so many people coming to me all at once. Are you okay, bro? Like, what was going on? Can you explain? It was a lot and I did not have the capacity for it. I, I did not. So just be very careful of making people your go-to or allowing yourself to become that go-to because that emotional labor is heavy. It can be very, very, very heavy. And also understand that not every Black person, whomever you're speaking with of the global majority, just because they are of the culture doesn't mean that their job is to be the person responsible for equity work. Some people within this world, especially of music education, they're there to teach. They have a passion for music theory. They have a passion for choirs. That doesn't automatically, just because they're black, just because they're a person of the global majority, doesn't mean that they wanna talk about that or they want to be your designated person to talk about that. I think that's where relationships, relationship comes into to play. Yes. There were people who were open to having those conversations. There were people who didn't want to have those conversations at all, but just having, and I, and I want people to understand that we're not saying that like, don't, don't come to people because you, because you feel that they may say no or not form the relationships, but your relate, your only relationship to me can't just be when mm-hmm. something tragic happens. Amen. I need you to care about me on them. You know, them days when it's just like regular, we're just doing regular stuff. And the sad part is it also goes back to our very, our opening thoughts about have you repaired the harm to build the relationship? <laughs> so we've really just, come full circle. And the other part of this is at the end of the day, remember this is a human being. So be courteous and just ask, Hey, I have a question about something. I want to know if it's okay. If I ask you about it, do you have the capacity for it? Yes. And that way you give that person the ability to say yes or no. They're a human either way. And don't take offense if it's, if it's no, because for a lot of us, that was, I think, I think George Floyd was just the last straw. Yeah. Um, for sure. for many of us. But see, I'm I'm from I'm from St. Louis, so Ferguson and Mike Brown, that was that was in my backyard. You know what I mean? So that hit me differently. Where I could I could talk about George Floyd a little bit, but you mentioned Mike Mike Brown and I'm subject to break out and start crying. Mm-hmm. Because that was so close to home, you know. So just understand everybody's as you keep saying, we're humans. So just understand that as humans, sometimes we have the capacity to have those hard conversations. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're angry and mm-hmm. we just need a minute to just be angry. I just need you to leave me alone so I can just be angry right now. And it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with that could be my brother, my husband, my son, my cousin, my uncle. You know, that could be easily be my people. And I don't feel like talking about that right now. You know? Right. (laughs) 
that. And it's like understanding that that no isn't meant to be hurtful. But a lot of times, especially when I say no, like it's, there's a big possibility it's because I don't want to talk to you about it. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to talk to you about it because if I talk to you about it, that means I got to give this backstory and this backstory and then I explain this, I explain that. I, I need to get this off my chest. I need to speak to somebody who looks like me and understands exactly what I'm going through. I'm a, I'm gonna add on to that because how I talk to you, Jasmine, or you, Maria, about this situation is going to be different than how I talk to someone who doesn't look like me. 100%. And I have to prepare myself mentally and emotionally for that difference. So let's, let's explain that difference because people, people may not understand why, why that's different. Uh, I think, I think Dizel did a good job. I, I was watching some interviews. Ooh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. They, they were saying how somebody could have directed some other movie and he was talking about culture and he was saying like, um, I don't remember all the different names, but he said something like a black person understanding the heat of a hot comb hmm. is very different than somebody white just saying, okay, we got a hot comb scene coming up. Because as soon as I think of a hot comb, I can smell mm-hmm. Sunday morning, the hot comb. I can, I can see the queen bergamot on the counter. I can, I can feel myself holding down my ear so that they can really get to, you know, them little kinky areas that I, 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 that's all culture. So when we're saying we may not want to talk to you, it's not because we're being racist or anything like that. It's just as a culture, mm-hmm. you may not get it. I, I want to add on to that. Cause there's an example I used to give all the time that basically circles back to some of the stuff that we say truth. I'm just going to say it might sound ugly, we, we don't want it to come off as we don't like you. Mm. And I, I always use this example of, once again, dating. I'm married. I'm happily married. I love my husband. But sometimes we go through phases where he does stuff that irks my soul. Do I tell him this all the time? No. I vent to my friend who is also married about this because she understands and she can walk me through it. But if I complain every single time my husband does something like leave a sock in the middle of the floor. What's with the socks, man? (laughs) Why do y'all have to leave y'all socks on the floor? Like if I complain about that, if I complain about every little thing that he does, he going, do you want to get a divorce? Cause I just don't feel like you like me. White folks, if I complained every single time to y'all about what happens when y'all's people does something to my people, y'all gonna think I dislike y'all. And that's not the case. It's not the case at all. So sometimes it's a matter of, hey, I just need my space to build that capacity to maybe have a conversation with you later. Sometimes it's just, baby, the way I might say this thing right now, you might not think I like you and your feelings might get hurt. So it's, don't take that no to heart. 
Don't take it personal. Love that. I just love it. <laughs> that's a that's that I think that's a that's a that's good. Don't take that no to heart. When somebody tell you no, don't don't all the time take it to heart. The human part of them just may not be able to to, to be there with you in that space right now. Don't take it personal. I just wanna be all alone. And you think I treat you wrong. Don't take it personal. Baby, 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 take it personal. Do, 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 do. If y'all don't know that song, yes, it was like, Monica. I, I wore that cassette out, both the A and B side. It was such a great single. It was such great. And by the way, I saw Aladdin in the drive-in movie theaters. Don't, don't, don't try to play Maria. I forget about that thought. We I don't care if you saw it at the drive-in theater. <laughs> I don't care about that. They had nothing to do with my point. My you point was you too young to see. I saw Aladdin at the drive-in. I wasn't saying that. I was saying you 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 wasn't on the radio trying to learn the words. You ain't do that. You might be right. I know I'm right. <laughs> how old was you? Like five when you went to the drive-in and see it? One of them. One of the years. That's how old I was. That's what I'm saying. All right, Jasmine. Somebody says, I'm obsessed with your song, I'm Broke. And I'd love for you to speak about finding a balance between teaching family and making your own art. And someone also asked you, I'd love to hear yeah, we ain't about... Yeah, we're not talking about that right now. Answer your question. Oh, right oh my bad. Question. I was going to say, because both of them kind of go hand in hand. Like, I used to talk to my life coach about this a lot, and I'm really, really shocked that someone feels like I'm balancing it all. Because some days I just feel like I'm not. But truthfully, it's like a piece of music. You got your soprano, alto, tenor, bass. You look at the sheet music. Typically, we say that the parts that are just sustaining notes should be quieter than your moving parts. It's kind of how you got to treat it. So if passionate Black educator is booming for me right now, that's going to be my main focus. If my school has a performance coming up, or we get into a very busy season, that's gonna be my main focus. Now don't get it twisted. My family is my melody. That that comes first. Without that melody, that song don't even make sense. So it's just learning when to allow certain parts of your life, take a little bit of that spotlight for how many other measures it needs to be. And I actually learned this from Carla that she, she planted a seed in me early in the year and not allowing the calendar to bully you. Some things I just got so accustomed to saying yes to, or feeling like I had to do it because it's on this day, or I'll come up with this brilliant idea and I'm just, I got to do it now, girl, you got time. You don't have to do the idea right now. It ain't going nowhere. Honey, do you really have to do this specific activity this year? Can you say no to it? Is there another opportunity out there for your kids? What about you? How are you going to continue to build your business and brand if you're constantly putting yourself second and your students first? It's just learning when some parts of your life need to crescendo, 
when some parts of your life needs diminuendo. Also knowing when there needs to be a retardando somewhere. Mm-hmm. Slow down. Or rest. Sometimes you need to put a rest in that thing. Go lay down. Take a nap. I agree. All right. Somebody want to know from me, how do I do it all? You are teaching, running a business, conducting, doing a radio show. How are you able to keep all of these fires burning and still have passion for everything? That's a, a wonderful question. Um, I spent the first part of my adult life working for um, AT&T, where AT&T controlled every aspect of my life, meaning um, I had to ask for a vacation and if they said no then I had to change my vacation I had I had to ask to go to the bathroom per se because I had to clock in a system and the system said you only got three minutes to go and if you're in there longer than three minutes then that could be something that you can get dinged with um they told me when I was gonna go to lunch they told me when I was gonna have a break and um that's just corporate they ain't got nothing to do with AT&T personally that's just corporate America And I, when I decided to leave corporate America, I said, I never want to work in this capacity again. I like being spontaneous. I like being here this day and there the next day. I just, I like that. So I'm able to do it all because I do none of these things full time. I'm an artist teacher. Um, I only teach at Sumner High School two times a week for 90 minutes. Uh, my community choir only happens on Mondays. Um, my radio show, I, re- I pre-record that. That's only for one hour. The conducting gigs, they come when they come, and I, I take those. And running my business is kind of what I do, but I can do that. I could do that for 24 hours straight, and then for the next two days, I could say, I don't want to fool with it no more, and I can go lay down and read a book or something and don't fool with it. So that's that's how I do it all. Um I don't do any of these things full time. And I have a, an amazing husband and amazing children who allow me to be out of the house or to to focus on those things. And that's how I balance it, if that makes sense. If that makes sense. But I'm very I'm very grateful for the family support system that that I have. And they allow me to do those things. Um, so that's that. So, Dr. Bell, uh, I'm going to ask you a question so that we could wrap this up because we've been on here now for over almost two hours. <laughs> for those who are looking to uh, enhance their wellness and things of that nature, can you give us a few things that, that, they, that they can take away from this conversation that they can gracefully add to their practices, Miss Graceful Educator? Uh, I would say number one is, and 2020 did such a beautiful job of teaching us this, but you got to find out what matters to you. You know, for a lot of years, we've allowed the culture and you can use that however you want. We've allowed the culture uh, to tell us what matters and in the order that it matters. And so the first thing you have to do when you are trying to be well is decide really what matters to you most. And anything that does not make that list either needs to be minimized or removed right away. 
right away. They're going, their feelings are going to be hurt. Okay. And they will be okay. So the first thing you have to do is establish what matters, establish your priorities. The second thing is decide the areas also that you've allowed urgency to overtake you. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you have in place or that you said yes to that you now have yes regret about? I talk about this a lot about yes regret. Yes regret. What are some things that I've said yes to and I can look back at it and be like, oof, that one took more than I thought. That took more out of me than I expected it to. When it's when this opportunity comes around again, what do I need to say? The next thing I can do is figure out what my yes now means and what my no now means. In every environment, my yes means something different. If the church calls me and says, hey, we need you to work with the praise team and revamp some things, that yes might be once a month. (laughs) It may not be every week. It might be once a month on my terms. It might be from nine to 12. And these things need to be in place in order for this yes to take place. So I now have to reevaluate what yes means, but also what no means. And our our passionate Black educator did a beautiful job of validating how important no (laughs) really is. There's such power and freedom in the word no, because we live in yes culture, where you got to say yes to everything so that you're accepted. Ma'am, sir, be different. Use that no and use it when you need to. Use it when you need to. And lastly, if you got some toxic folk around you, so long, bye-bye. What's toxic? Do they bring me joy or do they drain me? You don't understand. We've been friends for 30 years. History does not mean loyalty. History does not mean destiny. (laughs) These things are not the same. And so for some of us, it may be time to reevaluate who is around us because we're going to honor the the counsel of the five people that we're around most. So that's just a few things, a few evaluative things that you can do to get on track with your wellness. I, I think that's a great way to end the, the conversation. You, yeah. you with my song... So long, Baba. That's my jam there. <laughs> Listen. And and I have to sing it every now and then. <laughs> every now and then. I love it. I uh, love can it. we also uh shout out Missy real quick? Yes. Yes. Can yes. we can we shout out Missy real quick? Missy, thank you for letting us um bust up your house. Let Take us tear up the, the place. Platform. Let Take me share. We appreciate you, ma'am. Appreciate you. I, I appreciate Missy um, not only for for letting us take over the platform, but for 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 doing the work to, uh-huh. to you know on, ask the questions. And because we have relationship, because we have relationship, when she asks, I can <laughs> always say I, I make time. Because we have relationship. relationship. And 
she she's not one of those people that just popped up in 2020 and disappeared. She's she's been doing the work. She she's gotten burned a couple times and every single day she wakes up and she makes an executive decision that she's going to continue to do the work. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, if you need an example, that dog on Missy. That dog on Missy. That dog on Missy. That is that that's an example for you. That's and, what the work looks like. Yeah, that's what it looked like. And 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 she makes it happen and we appreciate that. So thank those you, Missy. We love you, Missy. We love you, honey. Thank you so much for this time. We appreciate you. And thank you all for for those who listen. Thank you so much for joining our what you think, sis mm-hmm. little session. Um, I hope you found something that was helpful. Make sure you're following us on our platforms. You can follow me, Maria A. Ellis, on all platforms under Girl Conductor. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. You can also find diverse music education resources or book your professional development sessions or voice lessons at girlconductor.com. Boom. You can find me, Jasmine Fripp, the Passionate Black Educator, under the handles Passionate Black Educator on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow my page on Facebook. Let's be friends on Facebook. And I've also uploaded some resources on Teacher Pay Teacher where you can use hip hop. You can use hip hop to bring it into your secondary choir classes. And then last but not least, if you're looking to book me for any professional development needs or music crunchy classes, hit me up via email at jfripp, F-R-I-P-P dot P-B-E at Gmail. I'm last. You can follow me on Facebook at The Graceful Educator, also on Instagram as well. You can also visit my website, educatingwithgrace.com. You can go there to book coaching sessions or professional development. I am here. I'm here for you all. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't you really feel lucky to be in a world with these three educators? I hope you will head to our episode page and find out more about the joyful musical work they're each doing and consider bringing them in to work with your students or your colleagues, not just for equity issues, which of course are crucial, but for their musical and pedagogical gifts, which are outstanding. Thank you so much, ladies, for being willing to do this. I truly love each of you, and I'm so thankful for your friendship and for your leadership. Another quick reminder of two ways that you can support the work of the Music at Amplified podcast and me. First is the Music Ed with Missy Teacher Pay Teacher Store, where you can find resources like the Move Along with Dr. Strong Creative Movement Cards and my Pillars of the Music Class set. The second way is by visiting the Music Ed with Missy Buy Me a Coffee site at buymeacoffee.com slash missystrong. It's possible to make a small one-time donation, or you can even become a member at the Earl Grey or Afternoon Tea Levels. When you do become a member, you will get other benefits and fun stuff too, like the graphics I create for my own classroom, lesson plans, videos, the huge Move Along with Dr. Strong card set that I've shared, 
and something like the following shoutouts I will do for the latest batch of new members. First, from the afternoon tea level, we have Musical Mandy, Katie Matuzak, Joanne McMahon, Amanda Teal, and these brand new Earl Grey members, Emma H. and Laura Donahoe. I am incredibly thankful to each and every one of you for joining and for your encouragement. I really appreciate it. If you're interested in finding out more about it and you want to support the work of the podcast, please check it out at buymeacoffee.com slash missystrong. For questions about the podcast, you can write to me at docstrong26 at gmail.com or reach out to Music Ed with Missy on Facebook or Instagram or also on Twitter at docstrong26. Our podcast music was composed and performed by Jeremy and Owen Strong. Jeremy also serves as the audio engineer and editor for the podcast. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe and rate it wherever you listen and help us get the word out. As always, thank you for spending time with me. I know for sure that you are busy, and I definitely know that life is demanding a lot from all of us. I hope it was worthwhile and that you're motivated to reflect on your philosophy and practice. I'll see you next time, which for me will be finally after spring break. But until then, let's all keep doing what we can to create a more musical, joyful, thoughtful, just world for students, families, and our communities. Thank you.